What's up, everybody? This is the betrayed, the addicted, and the expert. My name is Brandon, and I am the expert. And I'm Ashlyn, and I was the betrayed. And I'm Kobe, the recovering addict. What you're gonna get is three unique perspectives on recovery and tools for hope and healing. Guys, good to have you here. We're back with another episode, and uh, we're gonna start first with a shout out, a fan shout out. So. This one is called um, Super Helpful and Not Just for Sex-Addicted Relationships. Hi, guys. My husband and I are living in an addicted relationship. He is addicted to everything, but mostly in the course of our relationship, it has been drugs and alcohol. He relapses and feels badly, and we try again to build strength in our relationship. He's certainly addicted to porn, but with other addictions, that is the least of my worries. I would say, or I would like to say that although I never felt betrayed when he looked at porn, I am definitely traumatized when he uses drugs and alcohol. I have shared this podcast in the Love Over Addiction group I'm a part of and know that several of us have found comfort in Ashlyn. The feelings of betrayal when your spouse hides anything that replaces the loving support that is supposed to be found inside a marriage are indescribable. I'm wondering if you all feel that that betrayal trauma can be present in a spouse whose husband is an alcoholic or drug addict. Living and loving a spouse that is an addict is a taboo subject and most people will just tell you to leave. But your podcast has given both my husband and myself hope and a possible recovery. Thank you. Wow. Loved it. Cool. Yeah. That's like super cool. Yeah, it's super cool. And I think her last question, do you think the betrayal trauma is a real thing for other addictions, Mr. Expert? Absolutely. So absolutely. Um, I want to say a couple things while I answer that question. One is I think the addicts make the best spouses. I agree. Yeah. So when I say that, some some of you might be cringing thinking, what the what is he talking about um when they're in recovery uh, 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 an addict who is actually working in active recovery it means that they're they're connected they're present they're honest um they're vulnerable vulnerable and they've been through something that has pushed them to learn how to be that way and how to live that way and they have to live that way so addicts can make amazing spouses and um as long as long as they are working their recovery. Now, an alcoholic or a drug addict um, shares something in common with a sex addict, which is that whatever they're using to numb um, is different. Their drug of choice is different. But addiction's best buddy is denial and secrecy and lies. And so if somebody is, ha- has a problem with alcohol – they have an attachment disorder. They have a, a disorder that disrupts a healthy relationship. So um, it doesn't just have to be sex addiction. Now, sex addiction has a whole new level of of betrayal with the infidelity piece. Um, but there's constant betrayal happening in a relationship with alcoholism and drug addiction as well because they are deflecting and avoiding connection with the people closest to them. So... Absolutely. You experience trauma, and I would even say some betrayal trauma, whatever that means, betrayal trauma, if you're married to an addict. So whatever their drug of choice is. I think it's super interesting, especially since Ashley and I both have 
um, like I've got family members who um, have had um, drug and alcohol problems. Um, my uh, my mom died seven years ago, and she died of pneumonia and barbiturate abuse right. at fifty six. And so to hear and and I, and I know for sure based upon our experience with with me and my and my sisters that they had betrayal trauma because mom was the rock of our house was the rock of the home. She I mean you could always count on mom to just run the show when she was great at it. And then when she fell apart, it was just like this trauma of like, who who are you? What happened? So I mean, what you're saying makes a lot of sense for me personally, just kind of putting myself in the role of, of son to a parent who just fell apart with, right. with drugs. Alcohol. And you know, they're, 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 they have an addiction. There's a disease there. It's, mm-hmm. but, but in a way, it's like they're choosing that thing, the alcohol, the barbiturates, the, the, the porn or the sex over a healthy relationship. Mm-hmm. And so you feel abandoned, you feel neglected, you feel disconnected from mm-hmm. and lied to. And all of those things can cause some relational trauma. You can call it so. That's really interesting, and I think it tees up quite nicely what we're going to talk about today, because what you because of what you said, Brandon. Like, um, I, I think when when I was acting out an addiction, maybe you always knew Ashlyn, and maybe it was kind of like you were suspicious and didn't know for sure, but th- that I was numbing or that I was checked out. But contrast that with someone who is who is drinking or who is high on drugs, and it's clear that. And obvious that when they're inebriated, intoxicated, no matter what it is, that they are totally numb. Right. Like physiologically, like they're they're numb and checked out. And that's what the topic is today is talking about what numbing look like for us. Right. Which is pretty interesting, actually. So I think to start, let's talk about what are common things that people numb um, and then what are common things that people use to numb. And then what does it look like to not be numb, mm-hmm. to actually feel? So what what I numb and, and how I numb. And what, how, and then what what does it look like to not numb? That's really right? good. That's really good. So first off, what are you numb? Like, uh, Let's see. I numbed anger, okay. stress, heartache. You know, you bring up stress. It's like in my practice, I get really, really busy during finals week. I get busy because True. everybody's relapsing. <laughs> that makes total sense. Um, I get really busy over holidays because everybody's around family and they're annoyed and they're bored, you know, around holidays. And so stress, anger, um, uncomfortable emotions are common things that, that we numb. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the most... The most common ones I hear are the ones you just mentioned, anger and stress. Um, boredom is a huge one. Um, people don't like to feel bored. Um, loneliness. Loneliness, um, sadness, fear. But what's really interesting is um, it is very common to numb happiness and, and excitement and joy as well. What does that look like? Um, you know, you graduate from college, and so you go get hammered, right? You uh-huh. uh, now, why would you do that? Um, you you do something really well, and you're getting closer in your relationship, and um, your wife is starting to trust you, and so you go relapse. So it's that self sabotage thing where you're uncomfortable 
in the vulnerability of the success mm-hmm. of the goodness and that that vulnerability of that is so uncomfortable that's what you're numbing so um so yeah uncomfortable emotions are what we numb um we numb pain we don't want to feel pain so we try to and pain's avoid a different th- that's a relative word and at least in our experience it was like i would numb i would numb feelings of being rejected from ashlyn and those are those are just codependency issues that I had. But I would numb feeling rejected. I would numb feeling being unwanted. I would numb from having a crap day at the office, where I would feel like disrespected, or I'd be behind in a project, or overloaded, overwhelmed. Like what you're saying is like pain is a very subjective thing. Well, so any uncomfortableness yeah. kind of is is you can you can go numb that out, right? Totally. And and so what's the difference between well, we'll get there. The difference between numbing that out and actually allowing yourself to feel those things. But let's let's first talk about how we numb out. Mm-hmm. Okay, so like, what are ways common ways that we we numb out? What are common ways you guys numb out? Because I'll share some of mine. I got mine. Yeah, yeah. I would say um, fantasy of any kind. So social media, video games, movies, uh-huh. food, TV shows. Right, like if, yes. if like we 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 had this, yeah, we've had we've had TV shows where it's like, okay, it's ten o'clock. Do we do another 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 episode? I think we spent <laughs> okay, a whole maybe. Christmas break watching the entire series. Yeah, uh-huh. when we were for sure long ago. We had kids. Yeah, <laughs> right. totally for sure. Um, I have no idea what Christmas was like. <laughs> I remember. <laughs> you that. remember the That's series? Funny. We don't remember. Yeah. Anything Is that sad about that that holiday season except for that part where we were numbing? That's interesting. Right. Um, I um, I would numb with food. You know that, mm-hmm. Brandon. Right. Um, and um, like when I was really acting out of my addiction, it was totally routine. I would get home. I would spend my 45 minutes to an hour and a half, depending on what time I got home, with the girls. And then as soon as we got them down at 7 o'clock, then I would take a cookie sheet, fill it with ice cream and chocolate. A cookie and sheet? A cookie sheet. Yeah, and, and you don't think I'm triggered by this. <laughs> right? I was sheet. like, what is going on? Right. I know nothing. I'm not educated, but I knew something. You're like, this was, isn't uh, normal. Right. Yeah. So you've had a cookie sheet full of rubbish, Kobe. And, and, and I would just go downstairs and I would turn on a guy movie. So that I would not join him. Totally. Uh-huh. And, and, and then I would go downstairs and I would watch that and I would eat. And I would you know look at porn. I would act out or whatever the case was. Um, I would take a, a soda break. Like a, a like a fountain drink run during the day, uh-huh. like probably for a stretch of I don't know a year or two, I would go at least once a day, sometimes two, a lot of the times two, like late morning, late afternoon, kind of a thing. And you weren't getting just a small oh, soda, like everybody yeah. knows. We're in Utah, <laughs> <at a time. laughs> of the bubbly dark goodness, right? Right. And um, so I, I mean, I would numb out those ways. And what's actually actually interesting, I think about this. I remember being in group with Amy, our therapist. And I remember citing specifically, saying this out loud. I don't know why, but right now uh, in group, all I can watch is really violent, like war movies. You know, Saving Private Ryan or Band of Brothers or something like that. Because, um, and I think really what it was is I wanted to be so entrenched in this intense movie that I was numb from real life. Uh huh. Uh-huh. So you wanted the intensity. To really help you escape, it, it, to, like completely, to, yeah. to totally, totally numb. So that was how, that was how I numbed. Aside from the obvious of, you know, acting out an addiction and so forth. Right. So I mean, 
since we're all sharing, I'll share my favorites. <laughs> <laughs> sugar is like my way to just escape. Yeah. Um, so sugar is a numbing thing. TV is a common one mm-hmm. um, for me. Social media, kind of. I mean, I don't spend a ton of time there. But these are just ways that I escape. Um, sports is one. If I'm totally. really, really stressed, then I'm really, really into my favorite teams. You know, like, <laughs> what's it? I, I got to know every statistic, right? <laughs> and it, it correlates. It's, That's it's a good interesting. Call. That's yeah. a good call. That's so, so funny. We all have our ways that we numb. Mm-hmm. And um, I think to some degree, distracting ourselves from the pain mm-hmm. is healthy to some degree. But we get too comfortable with it. And, and, and when we, when we say numb, it's an actual numb. So chemicals release in your brain, you, Mm -hmm. you experience a euphoria from this thing that you're doing that helps you escape from the pain of life. And that's why, um, these things are so addicting, you know, social media, um, just, food and porn and all mm-hmm. those things because it actually releases chemicals in your brain that helps you numb. So did you have some? I was just thinking when we were kind of in the icky part of our marriage, I read a lot of books. I mean, we were married for 14 years, so which Most icky, of our marriage, guys. Let's be real. <laughs> series of years <laughs> to, are you referring to? All of them. Yeah. Um, no. <laughs> she got a lot of reading done. I, yeah. I read every book. Um, I read a lot of romance novels, like not... Wait, wait, not what? whatever Fifty Shades, <laughs> that kind of erotica, like like a sweet romance. And I remember I would finish those books and be like, "Oh, like I love them so much! Like they were my friends." And I was absolutely living in a different reality. You were in fantasy, absolutely. in those books. Yeah, like I hated when they. Ended. It was Mayberry Romance, is what it was. Oh, totally okay. right. Okay. So we're not saying like reading that book's great, right? Like oh, yeah. those books are awesome. But I lived you, there. <laughs> you you sit down, you watch a show, you know, like the what's it called? The This Is Us show that mm-hmm. everybody's oh, yeah, watching. Great. Love like it. those Everybody are great shows. Kobe. What's that? Everybody less Kobe. Less what do you Kobe mean? Kobe won't less watch me. that show I, with I, me. I, I, I that's on my refuse. I watched the first list. three episodes and it was it was anyways. Um, <laughs> I love my, it. My, my, my wife has seen every episode, but um, but the, watching those shows, there's nothing wrong with that. Mm-hmm. We can enjoy those shows. Yeah. They're entertainment. Part of living is being entertained and enjoying those things. Where it becomes problematic is when you feel something in your life that you need to deal with. Those emotions are the function of an emotion is that it's communicating something to you. It's saying, look, it's time to do something about this, Mm. right? Like, and when we, when we take that emotion and we say, okay, what I want to do with this emotion is not feel the emotion, um, not actually listen to the emotion and go and go do what needs to be done. Then we're just avoiding life. And as much as we try to numb it away over and over and over again, you know, when I used to work with drug addicts and alcoholics, um, an alcoholic would be stressed about work or frustrated in a relationship, so they'd go drink it away, and I'd say, well, okay, is it, how, how did it work out for you? Is it fixed? Well, no, now it's worse. All I did was prolong it. I avoided it. Now I still feel all this stress and frustration that I had. Same thing happens with porn addiction and sex addiction as well, right? And so... It becomes a problem because you're not actually dealing with life. Mm-hmm. Okay. Right? So question for you, Mr. Expert and Kobe. I remember, I don't know how far into therapy we were with um, our old therapist, who was a family therapist. But she, I remember her saying, how does that make you feel, Ashlyn? And I had absolutely no idea 
how I felt. Mm-hmm. And so for me, all those years of, of doing those numbing things and really not being present in my life, I really didn't know I was doing that. Right. Meaning you were unaware that you were numb. I was very unaware that I couldn't feel. And I I remember hearing people who were on uh, medication for like depression and anxiety, and they would say, I feel numb. I can't feel. I can't you cry. Think? I can't right. laugh. And I was like, oh, I don't. That's so weird. And then not to, not to say that taking it. medication is horrible or bad, no, right? For sure, for but sure. but I was feeling that without the medication. So are you saying that, that it was more like a state of being for you as it related to emotions versus like an activity that? No, I'm. Is, I, I guess what I'm saying is I did all those activities without realizing I was numbing any emotion. I didn't hear the how you're explaining it of like I'm feeling less than in my marriage so I'm going to go read these novels right, and, right, right. and live there you, that, that mindfulness piece right. was not there it was just Nothing. automatic your brain went yeah. to escape mode totally right? um, and it, as you've gotten healthier and as if you got, you've gotten into therapy you guys love the feelings will we right? love it yeah. and their website is feelingswill.com <laughs> yeah well and the reason why you love it is because why our kids use it we use it we used it last Friday in a really hard family session with our girls and to see my seven-year-old and my 10-year-old name 10, 11 I mean, emotions. Like, like, it's awesome. Like 16 it, different emotions. It blew my mind because Kobe and I work with so many adults who cannot do that. Right. I couldn't do that until I was probably, what, 34 Yeah. when I was introduced to the feelings wheel. Right. I mean, why? We're just connecting to what I'm actually feeling. That's, that's I mean, that's why we use it as to as a, as a prompt to tap into what's actually going on under the surface right because right. our kids will come home and loose our little 10 year old when she's not feeling right she immediately can i watch tv can i watch a movie can i yeah. she knows yes. that she wants to numb out right i mean it, it, i think that awareness piece is is key right and in a lot of ways we're teaching our kids how not to be aware because we throw things in front of their faces mm-hmm. to numb out all the time but you know you go to this therapist and you're like I don't even know what I feel but now you know if if we were to ask our audience right now to just stop for a minute and identify what you're feeling right now just an emotion like something that's going on in your life what are you feeling and if you sit there for a minute and you think I don't know what he's talking about. Mm-hmm. And you're probably spending a good portion of your life escaping, just doing what you can not to feel, right? So one of the first steps to, to not numb, to actually feel, is to become aware of your emotions, to become mindful. So being, being mindful, one of the parts of being mindful is being able to acknowledge and say what you're actually feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's really important. Um, the next thing is to actually enter into the pain, is to allow yourself to feel what you're feeling instead of escaping it and avoiding it. And um, that this is, this is it, it's counter to what our brains want to do. So you almost have to act opposite in order to be healthy. Because your brain is saying, look, I got this, I got this dopamine, I got this, this you know, limbic system that can just take you to wonderland and, and fantasy and escape here. The last thing you want to do is get to your frontal lobe, your neocortex, and sit in the moment and be present because you're feeling pain. But if you do allow yourself to do that, then you're going to learn from what's going on. You're going to work through that struggle and that pain, and you're going to come out on the other end with relief and with growth, something good, right? So a lot of what I do is is teaching my clients 
what it looks like to actually feel, what it looks like to actually process and go through those emotions. So you guys have been in therapy. You guys have been doing this for a long time. Um, but how, like for you, as I'm saying this, what, what has that been like? What does that look like? Well, I mean, I, I would say that in, in our house, the way that I was nurtured was things were really chill or someone was losing their mind, <laughs> like losing their mind, right? And so I really just kind of thought that if I wasn't losing my mind, everything was good. So it was everything's fine. So if you can stuff the emotions down <laughs> and just like be chill, Too totally short. good, right? Too but short. but then when there's a blow up, whoa, there's yeah. like overwhelming. It, yeah, right? totally. But it was just either I'm good or I'm like mad, right? And that's just so not how it's been. I know for sure that the emotions that I felt always the unreconciled, unidentified emotions always led to me acting out always that does not surprise me considering what you just said about it's either calm or it's explosive (laughs) right so so as the emotions came up it was like jump out of that yeah yeah escape it was that was exactly what it was and i I think that's i think one of the things once i started recovery and really looking at the feeling will was i can go through and identify what i felt if i give myself a minute it wasn't easy at first but what I realized was is that my emotions that I actually feel that are uncomfortable aren't going to kill me. Right. And, and I think that's kind of the, I think kind of the conclusion, I guess, that I came to in, in, in reflecting back on where I was for you know, 38 years was I, was I was numb because I thought that those were just bad. Right, right. And, 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 and they were going to kill me. Right. But and and that's that's still even it's a it's a mindful and very conscious thing now, even when things are uncomfortable for me now just to to face my emotions. Like even this morning, we had a little dispute on it was something dumb. I don't even know what it was about. And I was saying this is the dumbest fight, and we still continued. But <laughs> and and thankfully, after like ten minutes, I was like, okay, can we start over? That's kind of oh, like it was uh, on the kids' bedtime. That's what it was. Kids' oh. bedtime. It's like, are you serious? That's like the dumbest thing ever. Like we're right. not changing it. But the point is, is that. I had to be really, really mindful on the fact of the fact that I was super uncomfortable and I was mad and it was all about something really dumb. And I had to lean into what was uncomfortable, which was trying to make amends to fix it. And on the other side of that, after like 30 seconds of me saying it, I was like, oh, that that's all it was. So, so it's, it's a, it's a kind of a, it's like a mental commitment for me to continually to, to, to stay out of being numb. Right. Does that make it, it takes continual effort every single day because life is going to come at me whether I'm prepared or not, and I've just got to make the commitment to say I'm going to be uncomfortable by saying, "Can we start over?" So <laughs> again, I really like that what you just said. The lean into and and uh, you know, I uh, you guys probably can't see this, but I got a sliver yesterday. There's a little dot in my finger. I was I was fixing Aww. Willie, my dog's dog run, <laughs> and I got a little little tiny sliver. Okay. And so, yeah, so I'd got the wrong size tweezers. So I was like digging a bigger hole in my finger. (laughs) But, but think about it. If I just looked at the sliver and I was like, man, I don't want to dig it out because it's painful. So I'll just not do anything. Um, it'd probably get infected. You know, if I just dipped my finger in lidocaine and hoped that it numbed it out (laughs) and like, okay, now the sliver is going to go away. That's not going to happen. Right. Totally. Um, I mean, what I need to do is get the, I got a pin out eventually and stuck it in my finger. Mm -hmm. And when I put that pin in my finger, it hurt. 
Um, but that's what got up under that sliver, that little tiny thing. Mm-hmm. And immediately when I got it out, I felt better. Mm-hmm. Um, so leaning into it is, is sticking that pin in my finger, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So when you guys are having a, an argument like you're having, mm-hmm. if one or the other of you can speak vulnerably, can be authentic, can, can speak your shame and, and talk about who you are, that's scary and it's uncomfortable, but it's going to help you get through that and be productive in that conversation. Um, so I, I want to talk about specific things you can do to lean in to, to the pain. So you become aware of it, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so now how do you sit in it? How do you, how do you just allow yourself to process through it? Um, one thing is to just sit in it, is to just stop and breathe and identify what you're feeling. Which means like, Get off your phone. Get a, yes. Like find some place to self-reflect. I'm in. Go sit in a hammock. <laughs> go walk walk around walk. the block. Um, but just sit in it. Yeah. And and you know what? If you're feeling sadness, then you might cry. So cry. Just and that honestly, that sounds so simple. But for me, I was raised like no one ever said it. But I just I crying was like super uncomfortable. It's, it's just embarrassing. Bad. You don't do it. And so for me, Kobe's always been more of the crier. And so even the other day, I went and um, gave a little talk at a rest home. And I started thinking about the women who were there and the things they had done for us in our neighborhood. And we're leaving our neighborhood. And I just started bawling. And I sat down and I was like, they were singing a song and I'm, I'm bawling, like alone, right? Uh, no one's uh-huh. around me. And I'm like, what is... And I realized what I'm feeling right there in that moment. And I just let myself cry all the way through that song. I love it. Ashley. And I had these red puffy eyes at the end. And and it was like, oh, that's a big deal for me because I was very much in a public setting. Mm-hmm. I had just been very public and right. sat down and cried in front of everyone. That's big for that's me. That's awesome, Ashlyn. I love that story. You allowed yourself to feel what you were feeling and experience those emotions. And then I went and wrote 10 cards to women that I love. <laughs> there you go. That's awesome. That's great. So that emotion told you, it, it told you to, do, to feel something, to do something, right? Um, now, had you just stuffed it and said, no, 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 I'm not supposed to cry. This is stupid then you wouldn't have allowed yourself to to experience what you experienced, right? So s- just sit in it and cry if you need to cry. Um, you can also do other things that will help you process through the emotion. So um, journaling is, mm-hmm. a, is a great way to just get it out and put it on those pages and feel what you're feeling. And don't judge what you write. Just allow yourself to, if you're angry, write an angry journal entry, right? If you're stressed, put your stress in that journal, um, so that's a good one too. Um, talking it out with somebody else is really good. That's why um, guys in recovery will will make phone calls all the time. Women in recovery will make phone calls all the time. Um, I'm frustrated at my spouse. We'll call somebody. Hopefully they don't feed your victim, and hopefully they allow you to just they hold space and they allow you to just feel what you're feeling, process what you're processing, right? Yeah. Um, so talk it out. Um, prayer, that's a great way too. Kneel down, talk to God, hand it to God. Um, but, but when you pray, actually allow yourself to feel what you're feeling. Um, express your emotions to God, not just words. And I think that's the part, that, that one of the key reasons what you just said, expressing your emotions, I think it's first for me because I was so, it was never taught 
at all how, like what I was feeling. That's why I love the feeling wheel so much is because it is simply a prompt. And there's there's never going to be a complete feeling wheel. Right. But it's just a prompt right. to say I could be feeling these and I'm just going to give myself an opportunity to, to explore it because I, I guarantee you this. Every time we have someone who I make use the feeling wheel and they give me six emotions, I say that's, that's awesome. That's a good start. Keep going. And then typically it's always half a dozen or more emotions because they just need to give themselves an opportunity to do it. And so I, I think, think that's a key part as far as a skill is concerned that we've learned just to just to be okay with that. And part of it, that, that hesitance to say more for oh, me yeah. is just the embarrassing of saying, I feel judgmental. I feel uh-huh. embarrassed. I'm uh-huh. nervous. I, I don't want to be those feelings. And so to say it out loud, especially to someone else, is like, oh, Like there's shame that it's associated with those things. So there is no such thing as should feel, right? And that's like you you shouldn't feel this or you shouldn't feel that. There's no such thing as that. Every emotion is is real and every emotion is valid. And so if if you can get to a place where you can accept yourself, accept everything that you feel, Mm -hmm. then you allow yourself to process through that. If you judge yourself or if you put judgment on what you're feeling, then you're going to try to avoid that feeling. But here's the thing. We, th- we think we can just avoid that feeling. It still goes inside of us. It's still there as much as we try to act like it's not. And right? I like to say that the, the part where I said that emotions always led to relapse for me, it's like I had this, this, this uh, emotional capacity that was captured in a tank. It's like I had a tank. And every time I didn't express an emotion, it yep. went in that tank. And then at the end of the day, I, my tank would be full and, and then I would have no way of getting those emotions out. So I started the next day at my emotional capacity. And so it was a matter of simply of time. And that's why I believe that, that, that addiction is so cyclical in nature is because I can only hold so much. And as soon as I hit my limit, then it's just a matter of time until I relapse. I, I believe emotions are real things and they yeah. go inside of us. Yeah. And we can try to vault them down. And the more we vault them and hold them in and – they, they come out in acting out in addiction because mm-hmm. you have too much that you're holding. Yeah. Um, they come out in panic attacks. They come mm. out in, in insomnia. They come out in depression because you shut down because you just can't handle it anymore. And so it comes out in other ways because you're not actually processing and coping with the pain and, really good. and dealing with your emotions. So like, like Bessel van der Kolk says? The, the body, body keeps, keeps the score. score. And, and you're going to get ulcers and heart attacks and all kinds of things. If you don't Allow yourself sure. to feel and deal with your emotions. For sure. It's a human it's a human thing to feel. Right. One of my favorites of all time to, to allow myself to just process and feel and is is music. I, you know, playing music. I'm, I suck at the piano, mm-hmm. but I love playing music. Um, helps when I'm really stressed, I'll go like pluck out a song on the piano. Um, or I have a couple of songs that fit certain emotions for me. Okay. And it's like that song can just take that energy and help me process it and help me um, think about it and work it through for me. Where on the other end of the song, I'm good. Like things are okay, mm-hmm. right? If it's sadness or fear or stress or whatever it is. So music, journaling, prayer, talking it out with somebody, <clears throat> um, getting out of nature and just taking a moment, breathing, um, all ways to just feel. Those are so. just Those are the ways to lean into the emotions is what you're is what you're saying. One more that a lot of people don't like: um, assert yourself. So, so if something is bothering you, uh-huh. if you're stressed about something, if you're frustrated, then do what's in your control. Actually, face it. it. Yeah, face it and go deal with it. 
right? That will help you deal with that emotion. You won't have that emotion anymore. That's good. Because you're not letting it linger anymore. That's awesome. Right? That's really good. Let's eat that frog. Exactly. Get her done. Get her done. So I guess kind of I know that we're we're getting short on time, but um it's pretty obvious as far as the you know, that X is concerned, how we numb out, generally speaking, right? And um but is it it maybe it looks a little bit more subtle for the betrayed Ashlyn and as far as like um numbing out um could manifest because there's those kind of numbing out behaviors typically are not associated with um the destruction that it is for the you know looking at porn or acting out and so forth is for the addicted so um i don't know i guess my guess my my question is is um what did you do and how would you from from your standpoint recommend the betrayed identify and start to explore if how they numb and if they numb um, exactly what Brandon said. Mm. Honestly, it's the same. And the what, what I talked about earlier, the ways that I numbed, the, although very different than the ways that you numbed, um, the result was often the same as I just felt like crap. And um, I could have gotten out of that with some of those tips. I just wasn't educated. I didn't know. And I, like I said earlier, I had no idea. I, I didn't feel. Right, right. And I got to say, your question, Kobe, um, working with women with betrayal trauma, um, you know, they numb just like everybody else. And the common, you know, common ones I see are chocolate and Diet Coke and Facebook and, but also drugs and alcohol and exercise, exercise, if I'll get skinnier, then this will go away. Uh huh. That's what I mean. Yeah, okay. like hours and hours. Or they'll get they'll get heavily involved with like church to to avoid. That's kind of their numbing behavior because they can avoid everything else and feel important there. Or just um, working or work. I did workaholism. that one. I was very successful as a kitchen designer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I bet. <laughs> I literally was. <laughs> I'm not going to say you're welcome, but <laughs> thank you, yeah, Kobe. Don't, don't, Kobe. <laughs> <I know. laughs> oh, that's sad. Yeah, that's really good. Well. This has been super cool. I, I really appreciate this because this is a this is a very real thing. And being mindful of just whether or not I numb has been a super important part of my growth as a human being, just as an individual. And it has also had great effect on my life and, and my relationships. And I gotta say, if you've listened to this episode and you're you're thinking like you're feeling a little guilty because maybe you watched too much TV last night, um, take a number and get my mind the rest of us. Yeah, I mean. Don't beat yourselves up. Totally. We all numb to a certain degree. Just make sure your life is in balance and that you're doing the best you can to feel as much as possible. Right. And yeah. I think the point of this episode is really just to start being more mindful of what you're feeling. Exactly. And not, we're not trying to shame anybody because we're all admitted. We're in the boat. <laughs> oh, <laughs> we're, we're, we're there <laughs> with you guys. To be so. sure. All right. Thank you. Thanks for being here, guys. Appreciate it. Make sure uh, if, you, if you like this, this is a nice general episode that can really touch a lot of people. And um, in, in general terms, not just in, in, in terms of addiction. So uh, share this. Yep. Share awesome. this episode. Share away. See you guys.